and welcome to the Shiny Bees podcast, the podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. I'm your host, Joan Milmore, and this is episode 47, Calamities and Curiosities. Hello everybody and welcome to the show. Today is Thursday the 21st of May 2015. Slightly later than build but here nonetheless we have episode 47. How are you all? I hope you've all been well since last time I spoke to you. In today's show we'll have a little bit of news and chat with some updates on Highland Wool Festival, some news about Indiebury Yarn Crawl and associated classes that will be ongoing there. We'll have the return of this sock surgery where we will be reviewing with Claire the um, Knitter's Curiosity Cabinet by Hunter Hammerson, volume two. So grab your knitting, your brew of biblical proportions and we'll crack on with the show. First up, we'll start with a little bit of news. Before we go into that, I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone who's been in touch since the last episode. It's been great to hear from you all and to give a warm and hearty welcome to any new listeners that have come across for this episode. And as always, welcome back the lovely returning listeners. Um, Thank you for sticking with me and coming back for today's show. So, episode 47 already. How crazy is that? Um, how have you all been? What's been happening in your end of the world recently? It's been pretty crazy here, um, which is partially the reason why the podcast is not on Tuesday as planned. But you know me, I like to roll with the punches and it just wasn't happening um, on Tuesday or Wednesday. So, Today it is, you'll get your podcast and uh, get your da- your dose of uh, Claire as well in this one, which is always good. Um, as some of you will know, I am at single parent operations at the moment, as lovely Millie is away. And at the weekend, it all got a little bit emotional. To say, to put it mildly, I guess. Um, I've no idea why my children seem to be so much more crazy than everyone else's. You know, you do all the good stuff, you don't give them too much sugar, you let them run around on the fields, um, you do all of the good kind of logical parenting things that you're supposed to do, and they're still absolutely mental. It's it's really quite amusing. Um, and they're very different in their personalities. But on um, Friday I decided, right, enough's enough. I'm going to treat myself, going to go and get a curry from uh, from the curry house and I don't like the ones that are in town right by my house I wanted to go out to to the village to get one and I was going to take the children with me as a treat you know and um we were going to go via the co-op first so we could get some cobra to go with her curry they'd already had their dinner and um we we're going to go in the car and despite my kindly neighbor offering to go fetch it for me I said no I'll, I'll bring it this time because your husband is clearly hungover and you need some poppadoms, so I'll tell you what, I'll go I'll go fetch it. The kids are going to think it's this great adventure. We're going to go out in the car, then at bedtime, it's fine. Once we're in bed, we're laughing. 
So we went, managed to pull up to the co-op, went in, decided to pass on the Cobra when I saw Prosecco was on a third off, secured a bottle of that without any kind of issues, got to the till, got out and paid without being accosted by security or causing any kind of alarms to go off with two children, none of which were in a trolley, stuck so they couldn't move. Winning at life, get them back in the car, roll round to the curry house, pull up and park in the £500,000 park or no park slot right outside the front door. Thought about leaving them in the car and then thought, no, you know what, I'm winning at life today. Let's take them in. It's fine. Get them out of the car, take them in the curry house. It's all fine. There's a chap sat there. There's a lady just about to come into the curry house as I do, so she follows us in. Children come in. Curry's nearly ready. Everyone's a winner. The sun's shining. There's a light breeze in the air. Nice salty weather, you know, that you get at the seaside. Pay for the curry. Just about, you know, talking to the guy, splitting my attention between myself and the children who are just, you know, playing quietly and nicely in the waiting area. There's a chap there, but he's pretending not to see them too much because you don't want to pay too much attention to a child as a man because clearly that would make you a paedophile. And um, the lady behind me is like cooing at the children and another lady had come in into the, the, the curry house to pick up her curry. Everyone's loving life. And um, as I turn around to literally pick up my carrier bag of food, feeling reasonably pleased with myself that there's not been a major diplomatic incident, um, I hear this loud thud and um, the silence, that deathly silence that you hear before. Someone cries really loudly, but they've got to leave the silence while they're, they're sort of they're catching their breath. They're sucking it in, ready to give the biggest whale of all time. And the length of that pause is proportional to the amount of rage that will then ensue. So you know the kind of one I'm talking about. So it all went quiet. I spin round like some kind of Torval and Dean extra to see who else but Sammy sort of kneeling, leaning on the seating that's in the, the takeaway shop near the man's feet um, for people to sit down. And as I pick him up and spin him round, it transpires that he's managed to, whilst smiling at the octogenarian waiting for her curry, turn round, smile at her, trip over his own feet, despite being in full view of no less than four adults and a four-year-old going on 40, trip over, fall face first into the seating, smash himself in the face, burst in both sides of his nose in the process, and, and now he's screaming like he's being murdered, and there's blood everywhere, and I just see the blood kind of come down his nose, so I nonchalantly turn to the guy, and I'm like, have a tissue, please. And he, he's just bleeding everywhere, he's bleeding on my poppered arms, and it, it was just all a little bit emotion. So then the guy that decides to give them lollipops, so I had to, instead of taking them off them, I had to I had to give them to them just to shut up the crying so I could actually drive home with the curry and deliver the curry and sort the child out in a more appropriate environment than the middle of the massum. So, uh, yeah, I was just like, honestly, who is it that when you're winning at life and everything's looking rosy, that it just, something comes along and smashes you in the face? So, bless him. There was a lot of... Um, a lot of tears and, and wiring until he got his little lollipop and then he was fine, actually. He's like, yeah, whatever. I'm bleeding all over your car. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It'll wash. 
so yeah that was uh that was interesting i'm just like doesn't matter how many people are watching them you know you get like these judgy people who are like oh your child fell over it's your fault you're not paying attention like there were four four people watching him and then me half watching still did still fell over and smashed himself in the face so yeah that was pretty uh pretty emotional i was kind of like just passed me passed me a pakora i need to i need to steady my nerves so um yeah, it's all been a little bit crazy around here, but it won't be long before Mealy is back and I can hand over full parenting duties to him, along with the substantial nappy deficit that I have racked up whilst he's been away. So yeah, it's all it's it's all dandy. Luckily this weekend I shall be escaping, thanks to my lovely friend, who's offered to look after the mill miners whilst I pop along to Highland Wool Festival. As I mentioned the other week, this is taking place on the 23rd of May at Dingwall Mart. The exhibitor list is now out. There are a few notable names on them, friends of the show. Helen from Ripples Crafts will be exhibiting, as I mentioned. There's also going to be um, lovely George and Louise of Yarn Garden. Natural Born Dyers will be there as well, who are a dyer based up again in the borders. Um, Nakandu Woolmill are going to be there. There's lots of other, um, the Button Bothy, lots of other little names that I've seen about. And I went to the Highland Wool and Textile Fair a few months ago. I think I had intended to talk about it on the show and then didn't, um, for whatever reason. And that took place in Inverness. This is in the Dingwall Mart, as I mentioned. And what I thought was quite good about um, this show in particular is that when you go to, and I've said this before, when you go to a lot of shows in, you know, in the kind of, in the middle of England and all the standard circuit there, you do tend to see a lot of the same people exhibiting. Um, which if you only go to one or two, it doesn't really matter. If you go to a lot of them like I do, you do tend to start feeling like you want something a little bit different. And that's certainly the kind of feedback I, I gave on Yarndale this year was I was just feeling like it was a little bit samey. What I like about the festivals up here is you tend to get things are a little bit different. I think the knitters up here are more into your sheepy type wools, more rustic wools, and you tend to find that the makers have got a lot more of a kind of regional sort of influence in what they're making. So you see a lot more tweeds and a bit of tartan and and all that sort of thing as well. And you also see things that you just don't see anywhere else, like the little um, little Shetland wool angels that I got. Uh, when I was there, which were little angels made out of fleece for uh, putting on your little Christmas tree. Um, so I think it's going to be quite interesting to see some of the... I haven't been able to click on, on 320 links to see people's sort of online presence and what they have to offer. I'm just going to kind of save it till Saturday and have a good mooch around and see what's what really. So what I will do is I will report back on... Um, on what it was like and who was there and people to go look out for for those of you that can't make it um for those of you've got nothing on at the weekend get yourself a flight to inverness booked you can get a, a bus from inverness to dingwall bob's your mum's uncle crack on get a bit of scottish fun this weekend and um as i say i will let you know who's the who's who and give you the rundown after that but as i said the um the exhibitor list is now on the website and i will link to it in the show notes so you can go and take a look 
Next up on the news front, we have the Inderborough Yarn Crawl. I'm also going to this. It was taking place in Edinburgh on the 13th and 14th of June 2015. It's the second annual event that's been organised by Jess of Ginger Twist Studio in collaboration with Cathy of Cathy's Knits in Edinburgh and May of Be Inspired Fibres in Edinburgh. And essentially it's a yarn crawl around those three shops. There will be an after party at the Safari Lounge, um, which I think is the place where Jess has her knit nights. Um, on I think it's Monday nights. I, I want to say Monday nights. Um, so it's just off of uh, further down... Uh, by her shop there's going to be lots of goodies discounts and a raffle uh, for those people taking part and there's going to be some workshops hosted by our very own claire divine of the sock surgery is making the trip back up to edinburgh and she's going to be hosting some workshops i have booked onto the evening of socks i'm going to go to a georgian manse in edinburgh drink fizz eat goodies from Manor House and learn a bit more about socks. That is unfortunately booked out, sold out now, um, but there are a couple, just a couple of spaces, so you need to be quick um, if you want to get involved on some workshops um, that she's running over the weekend. So, you know, there are only three shops on the yarn crawl, so doing a little, a little workshop as well could tie in quite nicely to your weekend in Edinburgh. First up on uh, Friday the 12th of June between 6 and 8pm there's a magic loop workshop that's taking place in Jess's shop at uh, London Road and the other ones are all taking place in a workshop space close to Jess's shop. On Saturday between 2 and 5 there's socks and introduction and on Sunday between 11 and 1 there's another magic loop workshop for those that can't make it on Friday. And between 1.30 and 4.30, there's two to time anything on the Sunday as well. So all of those um, workshops can be booked through Ginger Twist Studios, either online or by uh, ringing or going to see Jess in the shop. Um, and then it's the after party on the Sunday night. So these, especially on the Sunday, the workshops could be a good way of using up some of your time productively, learning a bit of a new skill and then pushing into the after party. There's going to be loads of people going. I know that I'm going. I've got a big um, apartment booked with a load of the, the Nitty TGS crew that are going to be going along. Louise Scully is going to be there as well. And there will be some other things planned by me and Louise that will be happening. We'll share the details with you about that in a week or so's time. So that's all I've got on the news front for now in terms of events. If you are going to be at any of those events and you want to say hi, please do send me a message. I would love to meet up with you if you're going to be there and have a little bit of a knit and some tea and biscuits. Um, if you are organising any events and you want to pass out any details of any news, uh, pop them through to me on chinabeesinfo at gmail.com and providing I think they're of interest to the nitty community we have over here i'd be more than happy to give you a shout out so on to enablers corner so a little light enabling is probably in order wouldn't you say um it occurred to me whilst i was beavering away feverishly on the latest quarter of the golden skein labelling up a load of beautiful yarns which are just staring at me from across the room as I record this and um, that I neglected to tell you all about the Lean Euphoria Club or rather what was in it 
This was a collaboration between TGS, The Golden Skein and Edinburgh Yarn Festival to celebrate the festival and give a little bit of a taste of it to those who maybe weren't able to make it and to a considerable number who were, it would seem. And uh, uh, we paired up with Joe and Mika just to do something a little bit different and picked a picture of um, a face, it's called Face Over the Fourth and it's a really moody picture of um, the fourth and the two bridges, uh, the fourth bridge and the fourth road bridge um, going into Edinburgh. Now there are no more of these available, unfortunately, well there is one available um, but that's that's kind of pinned for something else. But what I wanted to do is to, as we always do, share the dyers with you such that you can then go check them out yourselves and um, get, see if there's anything in their selection that you quite fancy a little bit of a go at. So the people that were chosen were um, Helen Lockhart of Ripples Crafts, who's um, based in the Highlands of Scotland, uh, Ginger Twist Studio, Jess, who's based in Edinburgh, and um, Emily Vessel, who's based in Edinburgh also. She dies at Rainbow Heirloom, and she's also one half of um, the design duo Tin Can Knits. The reason those three were chosen was because they're all Scottish-based, and all three were exhibiting at Edinburgh Yarn Festival, so we really wanted to create that whole Scottish sort of themed experience for those who weren't able to make it but really did want to go. The first yarn that we had was from Helen and that was on Reliable Sock which is a 75-25% um, um, wool nylon blend and that was dyed in the Ascent Storms technique and it was called Anticipation and in the blurb Helen talked about how when they lived in the south they always used to cross those bridges going north to their home in Ascent and there'd be this sense of anticipation of going out to the country in the fresh air and going up to their little home in the highlands. And then once they moved up there, the bridges took on a different meaning and it became that they were travelling south for visiting friends or for a big event such as Edinburgh Yarn Festival. She based a lot of her colourway on the, on the oranges of the bridge and the colours in the sky and also drew in some inspiration from traditional hunting tartans. Um, which you know where she lives you will get a lot a lot of that that kind of influence on your work so um, that was Helen of Ripples Crafts and as I said she'll be at Highland Wool Festival this weekend so I'll, I'll be Instagramming a lot of pictures for you to give you that full authentic experience the next guy was lovely Jess friend of the show uh, Ginger Twist Studio, Ginger's hand dyed, and she dyed onto Yakety Yak 4-ply, which was a 60% merino, 20% yak, 20% silk base. And hers was a much more muted colourway and took in the colours of the rocks and the water, and the colourway was actually called On the Rocks. It's a sort of really kind of cold green colour is the best way I can describe that one. And then finally we had um, Emily of uh, Rainbow Heirloom and she dyed onto the most soft and fluffy 70% baby alpaca, 30% silk base and uh, that was just like cuddling a cloud when you had it in your hands and it was a really kind of paired back 
um, subtle, almost, I don't even know the colour to describe it really, it's not grey and it's not pink and it's not lilac, it's kind of like if they all got together and had a big fun time and had a little yarn baby, this is the colour you would get. Um, and she took the inspiration from the clouds um, in the sky, so it's sort of going dark. Imagine you're watching the clouds and it's kind of going dark and they're a little bit tinged of grey, but they're not rain clouds yet, but the sun's going down. They get that funny kind of light pinky colour on them. That's the colour of this yarn, that's called um, Angelis. And the base, um, it is just a die for me. Baby Alpaca is soft anyway. And then you've got the silk in there as well. It's really, really squishy and luxurious base. So there were the three dyers um, that were selected. And I heartily recommend you go check their offerings out. It was Helen at Ripples Crafts, Jess at Ginger Twist Studio with her gingers hand dyed, and Emily at Rainbow Heirloom. I will put links to all of that in the show notes. And then um, in a few weeks, I'll be able to share with you some more exciting dyes and dyers from the summer club which is due to be sent out in a few days so that was enablers corner on the yarn front on the make it fit 2015 front hooray thank you to all of you who uh, have sent in um hints tips suggestions on the ravelry group who've been sending emails to our make it fit 2015 at gmail.com email very exciting to be um opening your emails and hearing your points of view on it a lot of you are very excited about it and we are too so i'm really really glad to hear that there are people getting on board and we're doing something that you're going to be interested in and i also wanted to give you a little bit of information about our first sort of project that we're going to be doing a bit of a kind of advance notice that it's going to be happening to kick off the project where else would you start than to find out exactly what size you are? So we're going to be starting off with a measure up. There's going to be some blog posts going up in the next week or so um, regarding what measurements we would like you to take and how to take them. Then for those of you that are comfortable with the idea, we are going to be doing a little survey. It is all anonymous. You don't need to put your name to any of the numbers. It's all online and there'll be a link and essentially you will put in your measurements into our survey and also what size you think you are. And the purpose of this is we're gonna be collecting this data through the whole time that we are doing Make It Fit and we'll be doing a bit of analysis on it, looking at the, the numbers and what sizes people actually are, what proportions people actually are, do they match up to standard sizing are the designers taking it on board that people aren't 1950s sizing anymore? Um, just as a bit of an interest project, and obviously you are going to need those measurements if you want to make your garment fit. You're going to need to know what you are, so you're going to have to face a tape measure at some point. And um, we're, you know, we're here to kind of cheer you along the way. So as I said, there's going to be more details on that in the next week or so over on the blogs about which measurements you need to take how you need to take them maybe getting a friendly hand a friendly friendly friend friendly hand um to help you along the way to make sure that you've got everything nice and straight and you're measuring it correctly um and then obviously we can once you know that information we can uh, kick off with 
the more meaty sort of subjects. So that is your latest update on Make It Fit 2015. There are now um, threads open in both mine and uh, Louise Nick British's Ravelry groups to have a chat and throw some ideas around, spitball a little bit. And we are going to be having a newsletter to drag all of this content together into one easy to consume package, if you will. We're putting the sign up um, code in our websites this week. So you'll be able to sign up either through shinybees.com or through Nick British. And we'll let you know when that's up so you can be kept fully up to date. You don't need to miss anything. You don't need to worry about where the blog is happening when necessarily because you can get it all sent straight into your inbox. We've got some cool interviews already lined up with people um, who are into making stuff fit, uh, which could be really interesting. And um, hopefully you'll come along and join us on the way. So that's Make It Fit 2015. If you've got any questions, queries, comments, top tips, anything like that, head on over to the Ravelry group and post them in there or you can contact us if you don't want to do it in a public forum via makeitfit2015, all one word, at gmail.com. So I think it's time for a little bit of sock surgery. Okay, so I'm pleased to welcome back my illustrious co-host, Claire, to the podcast again for the sock surgery. How are you, Claire? I'm fine. Thank you very much. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. And today I believe you have a book review for us. We do. We have another book review. It is um, this time Hunter Hammerson, uh, which I have to be honest, I'm quite a fangirl. So, um, yeah, I'll I'll just put that out there right now. But this is the... (laughs) Well, you know, you've got to be honest. It's a little disclaimer there at the end of the day. Um, This is the Knitter's Curiosity Cabinet Volume 2. So that we'll be looking at today. And I I believe you've been having a look at it too. So we're going to not just have the, um, not monogram, what's monologue. I turned myself into a monogram there. I'm not entirely sure I want to be stamped on the back of a letter. But anyway, sorry. (laughs) It's one of those days today. It is, apparently. It's one of those days. (laughs) Apparently Claire has lost the plot. Right, should we start at the beginning in a sensible fashion? So it's the the Knitter's Curiosity Cabinet 2, which was released in June 2013. So Hunter Hammerson's actually done three of these books now. The first one came out in 2012, and that was based on, um, well, they're all based on sort of the idea of the Victorian Curiosity Cabinet, which was a, a place where you would sort of keep collections of wonderful objects and and all sorts of random things. And I think I was first drawn to it because I remember years and years ago when I when I lived in when I lived in London and I was footloose and fancy free, as opposed to now where I live in the burbs and just stare at London um, while chasing around a two year old. Um, I went to the Tate and they had a massive curiosity cabinet filled with things that they dredged from the bottom of the um, the river, the Thames. It was brilliant. I loved it. All sorts of, as I'm sure you can imagine, random things. So that was what first attracted me in, in 2012 to these books. And um, as it sort of says on the tin, it's a collection of patterns based on things that you may have found in a Victorian curiosity cabinet. So 2012 was botanically inspired. Um, 2013 is about butterflies. And 2014 is marine, like a marine inspiration I'm not entirely sure she was looking at things that came up the bottom of the Thames. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Just hazarding a guess there, you know. 
Um, yeah, so it contains 18 patterns and it has an interesting mix actually for a sock book because sometimes I think, I think sock knitters are quite sort of um, dedicated to their sock knitting cause, well at least I am. Um, so I don't mind a full book full of socks, but um, sometimes people want something, you know, a little break from the socks or they might have a cold head and this book caters for that. If you have a cold head, she's got three hats. If you have cold hands, she's got three pairs of cuffs. So it's got nine socks and nine other accessories. So um, in terms of my first thought is I love this book. I think it's beautiful. It's detailed. The designs are intricate and different. Um, I think we were chatting earlier about sort of how, how it's nice to see things that are different and refreshing um, and different takes on things. So there's definitely a lot in there and it's a lot of sort of detailed things about the book. Sorry, about the designs that are, I really love. Um, because I like my sort of complex socks. I don't know, what did you think of it, Jo? Um, I definitely thought it wasn't the kind of knitting you could just do anywhere in terms of it isn't just your vanilla sort of patterns. There, are, There is a level of complexity to pretty much every design that would require a little bit of thought. Not impossible by any stretch, um, but you would need to apply yourself a little bit, judging on my recent performance with Bird's Eye Lace anyway. Yes, yes. It's it's not um, late night knitting with wine. Not that I ever do late night knitting with wine because obviously I'm really responsible. <clears throat> Maybe we should say I do late night ripping with wine because usually that's what happens to my knitting. Anyway, sorry, I keep digressing here. So, um, yes, yeah, so it's got nine socks and nine um, accessories and each sort of inspiration. So it goes through, it has a little bit of history about Curiosity Cabinets and then it has sort of an inspiration source with a very long Latin name that I'm determined not to have to say very often any of the names because I know that I'll make a fool of myself. And each design has a, a sort of a print and then um, a sock and an accessory to go with it. And um, in some places you can see where exactly where the inspiration comes from. Some I think you need a bit more imagination, but I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that everything has to be a literal translation. So the highs for me were, I think it's got a really beautiful layout. It's got, it's got the kind of layout that appeals to me. It's clean. It's got lots of space. Um, it's got lots of beautiful photographs. It's not cluttered. Um, it's easy to look at. It's easy to read. And I like that, especially with something that's complicated. The last thing you want is a complicated pattern, a complicated design in a very busy pattern with lots of information all over the place. And it's just impossible to keep track of where, where you are. So I really like that. And I love the um, inspiration sources and how that sort of adds something something different. And I like the fact that it's um, all a collection and sort of tied in nicely together. So that definitely works for me. And there's plenty of tips and, and hints and tips, but not necessarily really basic hints and tips. Though I have to be honest, one of the drawbacks, I think, is if you need some of the hints and tips, I'd be worried about whether the patterns would be at the right level for you. But I think if you're ambitious, there's a lot of sort of stepping stones within the book. So some are more complex than others. And I definitely think if you've got to grips with sort of the basics and you're looking for something a little bit different, um, it's definitely the sock to alternate with your vanilla sock. If you want a challenging sock, I think you should pick these. Yeah, cool. 
Did you have any favourites or, or any highs or lows in the book? Um, I found the idea of the Curiosity Cabinet as an inspiration starting point quite exciting. Um, just because, obviously, it gave you the explanation of what they were and what you would find in them. And I could sort of imagine having having one of these myself and having loads of little trinkets and bits and pieces in it um, in my big Victorian house. And just the thought of exploring all of those different things that are in there and the interest of them and the stories behind each individual thing that's in the cabinet itself was quite interesting. Um, and I liked the uh, the plates that showed you the butterflies that were the inspiration point uh, for the kind of starting designs. And I agree with what you said in terms of some are quite literal and some are a little bit more abstract in their interpretation, which is good. And also that it isn't just your run-of-the-mill standard, very kind of fashion sort of this is what's trendy right now. There's some quite unusual pieces in there, like the, um, I'd have to look up the name of it, but it's quite a long knitted um, sort of, I can't even, I don't even know the words to describe it, which is good because it means it's different. And it's essentially a long knitted piece that's then wrapped up into a, um, like a mitt. Oh, I love that one, but I'm too scared to say the name. <laughs> it's a polyamatous aragulus. I didn't do very well at biology, guys. Um, I'm not even going to attempt it. <laughs> um, but it's it's sort of it isn't just like a straight garter stitch kind of strip or anything. It's got its own pattern within that, and then as you wrap it around, it forms another kind of pattern with itself. Um, that I thought was quite interesting because it's brilliant to have really kind of standard wearable versatile pieces that will go with anything but I think as knitters it's also nice to just expand your horizons a little bit and try something that maybe isn't just straightforward and is a little bit edgy. What I really like about those though is sometimes I think see things and I have a lot of respect for the doing something really different or really outside of the box but you kind of look at it and think mm, it looks just looks really different and really out of the box and I'm not really going to be able to wear it out normally as as you would do with some sort of items on on the catwalk sometimes I'm not really into that into fashion but you see something and it just doesn't translate into ordinary life and there's some knitted things like that that you I just can't see how they would translate into ordinary life but those mitts are really interestingly constructed and looking at how she explains how to put them together in the book they'd be a really interesting knit but they're absolutely wearable like I'm sure you'd you could wear those and you wouldn't look as if you were coming from the circus or something. Yeah, and and I probably didn't explain myself very well because I'm looking at it in my head thinking, yeah, that they are different. It's not just your standard construction. It's not just your standard pattern. Um, but it isn't so crazy that you couldn't wear it. It's just something that people are likely to say, oh, that's interesting. Oh, how have you knitted that? Oh, how, you know, how was that made? Um, rather than just, there are quite a lot of quite samey patterns around and there's nothing wrong with that because people do generally tend to like quite samey stuff but it's nice to have a book that stretches your imagination but it's still wearable yes absolutely and it, it they are very wearable even though you look at it and think oh that's weird uh, you know how does that go together it's in a beautiful kind of royal blue sort of shade of yarn when it's on and it's wrapped up it looks interesting but it's definitely it's not crazy by any stretch it's just a bit of an interesting piece uh, to jazz up an outfit, which is what you want from an accessory, really. Yes. Yeah. No, I love it. Look, there are a few things in there that I probably wouldn't personally wear myself. 
Um, but then at the end of the day, she didn't design 18 patterns just for me, surprisingly enough. Disappointing. Um, but, <laughs> I know, I really should write to her and be like, look. Um, but there is plenty of, of amazing knitwear in that book. Um, it's definitely sort of in terms of if I was looking at it for myself, it would represent amazing value from what I would knit in it. And then I could knit the other things for other people because it's not that things are sort of so unsuitable that they it's just that they don't suit me so if I had time and was so inclined I could knit them for others if anyone here is expecting me to knit for them they might be waiting a long time but the idea the sentiment is there Joe, that I want to yeah but it's not you know it's a space-time continuum problem it isn't a kind of it's not a lack of intent it's a lack of capability it's not the same thing (laughs) I did once knit my mum a pair of socks yeah there you go and I think the the little lacy, this little pink lacy feather and fan cuffs, they they look awesome on Jess. I was just gonna say I know a lady who would look outstanding in those mm-hmm. cuffs. So, and it is nice to have a book that you can pick things out of for other people if you're looking for some gift knits or what have you. Actually, I could see Jess in those socks as well. The the ones with the the ruffle that I earlier said that I definitely couldn't pull off myself. Perfect for Jess, which is exactly the point of how sort of adaptable things are. Yeah, you you both have a very different aesthetic, in fairness. I'm not sure the ruffly socks would go that well with your hiking shoes. But with her beautiful little kind of Mary Janes, I can see it working. Yeah, Jess does do the fashionista and I just do the hiking boots. But hey, you know, someone's going to do them. Else Meryl wouldn't be making any money. There we go. Right, so to wrap that up, um, you can find the book on Ravelry as an ebook for $21.95, which in the wonderful British pound is, I'm not sure. About 15 quid, isn't it? Yeah, it doesn't tell me. Ravelry doesn't tell me, so I'm completely lost. Yeah, about 15 pounds. And you can also buy the print book from Pantsville Press which is actually Hunter's own publishing company. So you, you, you can buy it via Amazon, and that's fine if you choose to do that. But I would prefer to buy it directly from the publisher and from the designer, if I could. So you can do that in this case, which is fantastic. So it's $26.95 plus postage and packaging, which might be a bit of a killer across the, across the pond. But um, if, you, if you enjoy a beautiful book, this is definitely the kind of knitting book that's really beautiful. Um, if you wanted something to sort of have to look through and you get, if you order it directly from Hunter, you also get the ebook. So you've got it there so you can print it out and scribble your notes on it, et cetera, et cetera. And um, just the last thing I'll add is the good sizing. So three sizes for the socks, three or four sizes for the hats, multiple sizes for the, the cuffs. So a good range of sizes, which is often difficult and and hard to come by in complex socks because they're much harder to size up and size down um but hunter's achieved that she's done that very well and it's very very clear um the last thing i was going to say is that it is only charted the vast majority of it is only charted because it's quite complicated and i think if she'd have written everything out it would just be a minefield um bowser's not very happy about the fact that it's only charted you, you do you can't work with charts you can't work with charts. He's colorblind, isn't he? You can't, you can't work with charts. You'll have to read it to him while he's knitting. Yeah, you? with his opposable thumbs. <laughs> so, goodness. I don't know if anyone's ever going to listen to us again after this random one. 
Um, so that sort of leads us just onto a little taster for next week, um, not next week, the next podcast, and what we're going to be looking at this month, which is sort of beautiful heels. I feel like spring is in the air, and we get taken off our hiking boots, put in on our open back shoes, but it's still quite cold out there, so we do need our hand knit socks. And what else would you like on your hand knit socks, except for a beautiful heel um, to show off in your clogs? I personally don't own clogs. Jessica owns clogs, though, so that's fine. And um, there's two wonderful examples in the Hunter Hammerson book that have some beautiful um, sock heels, the Delias Eucharist and the Vanessa Antiopa, which in my time machine I'm going to cast on because I really, really want to knit those. Those are sort of the, the creamy yellow ones, Joe. So what we're going to talk about next podcast is different ways of decorating your heels it's not a technical one it's more of an inspiration one so yeah hope you join us yeah and that will be episode 49 yes episode 49 yes because it's every other week it is at the end of may goodness that's quite scary Hopefully by then it will be really, really hot and summery and we'll be talking about knitted bikinis instead of socks. Yeah, the bikini surgery. (laughs) (laughs) Right, thanks, Joe. Thanks, Claire. Bye. Well, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for this week. I hope you've all enjoyed the show. And all that remains for me to say is I hope you all have a great week. Happy crafting and speak to you all again soon. Bye. You've been listening to the Shiny Bees podcast, a podcast for those who like their knitting, comedy and yarn in equally large measures. If you'd like to get in contact with me, you can do so via the blog or I'm Shiny Bees on Ravelry, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest and Facebook. You can email me at shinybeesinfo at gmail.com. Music for this episode is provided by Music Alley and it is Adam and the Walter Boys and I Need a Drink. I need a drink. <laughs>